So today's topic is menstruation practices in Hinduism what and why. Yes, it is a offbeat topic, but I think nevertheless it is equally a very important topic. Menstruation is one of the you know all adult women go through it, it affects them, influences them at a very deeper level, biological, emotional, spiritual, psychological, yet despite its so vital role in a women's life, the current narrative, you can watch TV, online, debates, everywhere, the current narrative is uh, highly reductive. It reduced the whole issue of menstruation into two things. One is sanitary napkins and second is the you know narrative of oppression and superstition in the context of Hindu practices specifically. In fact, two weeks back uh, I came across a documentary video uh, in Twitter wherein uh, somebody had you know about this Hindu practices they had made a nice video. There was a court scene. The couple was there, the husband stood accused and in front of him the wife was there as the victim. So husband was accused of oppressing his wife every month during her monthly periods. So the, 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 the video shows how the wife was segregated, separated from her children, not allowed to interact with them and how this husband is superstitious person who calls it it's a period of impurity, 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 but he does not know what impurity means. Apart from the fact that the video was in poor taste because it, it stereotyped South Indians, it showed a typical Tamilian couple, but leaving that aside, it stereotyped everything, it stereotyped the whole Hindu conception, Hindu practices around menstruation. It reduces the whole narrative into a single category of impurity and interpreted that category also using you know the concepts like oppression and superstition. So in this background with this context it becomes very vital especially for you know the new people, the new generation, the new practicing Hindus and also the parents everybody it becomes vital to understand what these practices are. See we can make a judgment, we can make come to a conclusion only after there is an unbiased examination not on basis of you know preconceived notions. So uh, towards this uh, to, uh, direction I will uh, I have designed this presentation Hindu menstruation practices what and why. The very first slide is what of menstruation practices. I have summarized some of the practices which is you know common prevalent across India. As, um, first is no sexual intercourse that is the one of the most prevalent not only in India but across the world. No running, no exercise, no cooking and other household activities, no bathing, no combing, no application of makeup and other body grooming activities, some amount of segregation like not touching others restrictions related to food, restriction you know related to performance of religious and spiritual activities. This is another one huge issue. Why should not menstruating women enter temples? Why should not she you know participate in religious ceremonies etc. Uh, the contrary to these practices 
it is a co apparent contradictory, uh, it is not a contradiction, it just appears to be an opposite. There is a celebration of menarche, the onset of menstruation across different communities in India. And we also worship, there are traditions within uh, India which worship certain goddesses, certain menstruating goddesses. So, how do we understand the whole thing? How do we understand this what of menstruation practices of Hinduism? But before going to the how, it is important, I have in my interaction with a lot of people, young, old, with different uh, strata of society, I, I have found two extremes on how the people react to this issue. On the one hand, what I call is are there uh, traditionalists who are um, very faithful towards the tradition. They follow the practices faithfully to the best of their efforts, but also mechanically. If you ask them why you practice it, they do not have an answer. They say it is a tradition. We have got this from our ancestors. But why? They do not know. Because they do not know, they are not open to questions. They will not entertain questions. You say, why this practice? Give me a reason that I will not practice. They say, shut up and simply practice. On the other hand, we have this, the other extreme, whom I have termed modernist. They equally reject everything faithfully and also of course mechanically. They say all this is superstition, there is, no, there is nothing in it, menstruation is a biological process, yes, yes, nothing is there, it is all superstition, let us reject everything. They neither have patience to investigate, to look for an answer, to look for the answer for the question why and more importantly they do not even care, they are already made their conclusions that this must be a superstition in 21st century rooted in modern science. What is the use of 2000 year old codes, right? So, in the, between these two extremes, what is suppressing, what is being suppressed, what is being suffocated is the question why. And I am sure lot of people, including the people in this room, have this question why somewhere deep down the psyche, but which was never answered. Because there is no room for answers. Because one does not entertain questions, the other does not entertain answers, right? So, I will start uh, today's, the main part of today's presentation with a story. The story is about Indra, the great deity of the Vedas. I am sure everybody must know about Indra. So, the story is that the Godevas, their main uh, teacher is Brahaspati, but they had another teacher called Vishwarupa who was the son of uh, Twastar. But this uh, Vishwarupa was also related to Asuras. So, Indra was felt, he felt that the oblations that he was supposed to receive, this Vishwarupa was diverting it to the Asuras. So, Indra became angry, he did not think it was necessary to you know investigate. He was impulsive, he is Indra, Devendra, right? So, he became angry and he went straight away to Vishwarupa and he cut his head up. He slayed him. But Vishwarupa was a Brahmana, Vishwarupa was a teacher. So, there was this Brahmahatya, the slaying of the Brahmana, the Papam. It is not a sin, sin is a very Abrahamic, uh, heavy concept. 
we do not have that in our Hindu tradition, we have the concept of papam, you know, the karma phala, the fruit of action, the fruit of adharma or fruit of dharma. So, this papam, the fruit of adharma, the fruit of the hatya of brahmana, brahma hatya attached to Indra. He tried for 10 years or so to get rid of it, but he failed. Wherever he went, people called him killer of brahmana, murderer, slayer of brahmana. So, he was very sad. He did not know what to do because he also had understanding of dharma because he was a, he is Indra, right? So, he knew that he did wrong. He knew that he had to get rid of this, uh, you know, papam somehow. So, he thought, what shall I do? How shall I get rid of that? 10 years I have roamed here and here, there, but I am still stuck with it. Then he remembered Bhumi Devi, the earth, Mother Earth. She is compassionate, she is selfless. You can see her, we are so much violating her. Still, she bears us, she has epitome of forbearance. So, she went to her, said, See, Mother Earth, Bhumi Devi, I am very suffering from this great, you know, papam, the guilt of Brahmatya. Can you please help me? Can you please take just one third of the guilt, one third of the papam, not the whole thing, just free me from the burden of just one third of it. Bhumi Devi, she was selfless, of course, she, compassionate. So, she said, okay, let me take it. And this one third of the guilt of this, uh, you know, Brahmatya passed to Bhumi and it manifested as natural fissures. In return, Indra said, thank you very much. Now, you can ask me any bone. I am Indra. I can grant you any bone. Tell me now, how can I help you in return? Because I am very grateful to you. Please tell me how I can, you know, return your favor. She said, see the digging, people keep digging me and it hurts me. Let me know how to overcome it. So, Indra said, he said, okay, I will give you a boon. My boon is that this digging will no longer harm you. With time, all the, you know, digging and everything, it will close down on its own. You do not have to worry. It will not overcome you. It will not harm you from this day. But still, Indra suffered two-third of the guilt and two-third is no less. It is still huge. Then he thought of whom shall I approach next? He saw a tree, he saw the trees in fact. Like Bhumi, trees are selfless beings, they give shade, they give fruits, they give flowers, they do not ask anything, right? They do not even ask us to put water to them, right? So, he appealed to them the same way he did for Bhumi Devi. She said, okay. She agreed. And the guilt, the another one third of the guilt manifested in the trees as the sap, the tree sap. In return, Again, Indra said, what boon do you want? And the tree said, see, look, the pruning, it hurts me. Help me there. So, Indra said, okay, from now on, the pruning will not hurt you. In fact, pruning from time to time will help you grow more. But still, he was left with one third of the guilt. Finally, he came to women. The epitome of, again, compassion, motherhood, selflessness, right? So, he came. He said, again, please take the remaining one third of the guilt and free me from this Brahmatya forever. Women agreed, okay, okay, fine, I will do it. And this, the final one third guilt of Brahmatya, the Papam, transferred to women and it manifested as 
stained garment every month that is it manifested as menstrual bleeding at the end of each month in return in return they asked women asked a boon indra gave the boon the boon was that women will be able to bear children they will be able to you know do the conceive children after the end of this bleeding and then until the the child is born they will be able to enjoy sexual bliss after saying this story the the where the story appears this this story this interesting story is from yajurveda taitiriya samhita this is from the shruti the veda itself after giving this full account of the story the the yajurveda says therefore one should not therefore because the women have taken this one third of the guild one should not converse with a women with stained garments one should not sit with her one should not eat her food because she emits the color of guilt one should not have intercourse with menstruating women because offsprings born may be accursed other things to avoid by menstruating women will include bathing anointing oneself combing brushing nail cutting weaving spinning etc so on and so forth so this is the whole story that is present in yajurveda why i started with this story it may look you may think what is this with this indra how is it even relevant what is this story what is this papam etc i will come to that the relevance of this story is that story acts as uh, you know origin cause it it provides a hermeneutic principles that the whole account can be divided into two parts the story narrative the second is the list of menstruation restrictions the story narrative the purpose of the story it's not a historical event or something the purpose of the story is to provide a hermeneutic key a key for interpretation a key to understand the menstruation restrictions the menstruation practices mentioned in the second half of the story to so the account acts as a you know it provides a basis of in the philosophy uh, you know in the western tradition they have a particular term i think uh, etiographic uh, myth or something um, so that is the purpose of the story the indra etc to provide a basis for interpretation how should we understand to answer this question that how should we understand hindu menstruation practices so what is the very first thing that the story revealed remember that the in the earth it manifested as the guilt manifested as a natural fissure in the trees it manifested as a sap and in women it manifested as menstrual bleeding so what is one common element between three of them it is that all of them are a natural phenomena the fissure is a natural phenomena the sap is a natural phenomena and similarly the menstrual bleeding the menstrual cycle is a natural phenomena it is a biological phenomena so the very core of hindu menstrual practices is this understanding that menstruation is not a supernatural thing it is a natural biological phenomenon right but of course the story does not stop at it we saw that one third brahmatya so what does this one third brahmatya mean what is the reference to this one third of brahmatya to understand it let us see what this menstruation we know the biology tells us 
there is a non-fertilization of the egg. It's not bleeding. The bleeding is not just blood, right? There is the endometrium tissue. There is the unfertilized egg, right? What is that? What is the purpose of the egg? To give life. The purpose of the egg, the whole biological process, is to help women conceive. But when that egg remains unfertilized, the non-fertilization means the life. The, the one chance for giving birth was missed. Why is giving birth important? In the entire Hindu tradition, giving birth is considered very highly sacred, very highly punya, the dharmic activity which is enormous merit. Why? Because the birth, it's not just, you know, making babies as we call it today. It's not making babies, just that. It is a giving chance for a jiva who is waiting. You know, the, the, the process that this is not just single time birth. Hindu tradition believes of the rebirth again and again until one attains moksha. But the moksha is the ultimate goal, but they have to tra travel through many births to attain it. So each birth is important in the life of a jiva. And this jiva, one jiva, some jiva with whom you have a karmic connection, you have a connection like the son or a daughter or something, you are giving an opportunity to that jiva to take birth into this physical universe and then manifest and then, you know, travel ahead to fulfill its karmic journey to travel much closer to moksha. So, this birth is a very important thing. Giving birth is considered a highly dharmic activity for this reason because you are helping jivas to continue that karmic journey. So, how can we, what are the circumstances when this is prevented? One is the abortion. When you, you know, uh, voluntarily decide that you do not want the baby. The abortion is compared to Brahmatya in the tradition. Why? What is this Brahmatya? We need to understand. What is this Brahmanatya today? You know, Brahmins, caste, why is, what is this Brahminical thing? You may think. Brahmatya must be understand how the tradition defines Brahmana. Brahmana is one of the Smritis, Manu Smriti to be specific says, Brahmana is one who is friend to everybody. He is one from whom nobody has to fear because he will not hurt anybody either in thought, speech or mind or actions, right? And Brahmana is one who is truthful, who is non-violent, who is always controlled in his senses, who will never commit a crime, who will never commit any immoral things. So, there is a whole lot of description what a Brahmana is. Brahmana is one who has understood Brahman. He is the innocent personified. So, when it is said Brahmatya is a huge papam, it only refers to the fact that slaying such an innocent person is huge papam. And the child, unborn child is equally innocent in this sense. And hence, abortion is a huge pop, I mean it is equated to Brahmatya. But, 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 there is one more way how you can deny the jiva entrance into the physical world and that is when at the end of, when the, when the, at the, end of the monthly cycle, there is no conception. Of course, it is not a fault of any person as such. The cycle starts at 10 years, you get married later, that is a different issue. The thing is, it is a biological process. And intentionally or unintentionally, there is one fact that there was non-fertilization of the egg and hence one opportunity for vasam jiva was denied from taking birth. So, there is a papam, but it is not equal to that of magnitude of uh, abortion of course. The magnitude is here just one third brahmatya. The Indra story 
the purpose of the story is to give out this hermeneutic principle that this menstruation cycle involves a concept of ashaucha because caused by non fertilization of egg which the story refers as color of the guilt. The guilt here is that non fertilization of the egg. Ashaucha is translated as impurity, I will come to that what it means because that is a very important and highly misunderstood concept. So, this story gives the hermeneutic principle uh, the, the interpretation the concept that ashaucha is something that is associated with menstruation. Third, but it does not the story does not st stop with saying no no women have become you know color of guilt have attached to them, no it does not stop there. It says that the story is all about how this menstruation itself acts as a self purification process and it acts as a austerity because every month they attain that state again and again. It is only possible when at the end of the periods they are able to overcome that state of ashaucha. If there is no overcoming then what is the meaning of saying every month they attain ashaucha again and again. So, they overcome it. So, menstruation itself acts as a process to overcome it that is the principle of self purification and there is aspect of rest, no weaving, no sieving, these are all the activities. And finally, by connecting the fact that you know women took the guilt in the form of monthly menstrual cycle that the bleeding, but in return they were able to give birth to children after the end of that bleeding. So, there is it is showing the biological connection through a story that this menstruation process is connected to childbirth without this menstruation cycle the whole monthly cycle women will not be able to give birth. So, childbirth is intimately connected to menstruation and because childbirth is a dharmic is a sacred is a very important activity menstruation is worth celebrating. So, there is ashaucha, there is austerity, there is rest, there is self purification and there, there is celebration. Now, let us see each of these principles and understand what they actually mean. Menstruation in Sanskrit it is called as Rajas Shrava, Raja Shrava, Shrava is flow, flow of Raja, but what is Raja? Raja is usually translated as blood, but Raja is also what? Rajoguna, you have in Gita and other places the three gunas right, Sattva, Tamas, Rajas, Sattva is equanimity and etcetera, Tamas is dullness, inertia, Rajas is passion. Rajas is excitement, Rajas is activity. So, Rajas is uh, Raja, Rajas Shrava is flow of blood, but it is also flow of Rajas and this therein lies the key to entire understanding what menstruation is, what how Hindu tradition perceive menstruation. To take up the first concept of Ashaucha, we all know, we all see means uh, you know ashaucha is impurity, impurity, impurity they makes people demeaning, it is demeaning to women etcetera right. But by the end, of, but I, we will, I will show how this ashaucha have a very technical meaning, it is not very lightly to be used. One of the meaning, one of the implication of ashaucha is ritual impurity, the ritual impurity, ritual is the important term. Second is connected to it is incompetency for performing vaidika and agama karmas. Vaidika Agama Karmasar, Vaidika is Veda, Agamas are another text similar to Vedas, all the practices, Hindu practices, religious practices that we call puja, temple worship, everything is derived from these Vedas and Agamas, so called as Vaidika Karma 
agama karma these are all the duties right so what is shaucha to understand a shaucha we have to understand shaucha right to understand impurity we have to first define what is purity today most of the you know our all our understanding is based on modern science we say we have a physical body and even our mind is denied independent existence they say the brain activity makes us think but this is not how our hindu tradition understands how this is not how our rishis the scientists of the past this is not how they you know understood the human body human individuality even ayurveda does not recognize this what we recognize instead is the five sheets the five layers of individualities i am not just my physical body i also have a vital pranic sharira i also have a mind the manasa manomaya kosha and there is vigyana maya kosha there is ananda maya kosha the sheet of intellect the sheet of you know the bliss the translations are very you know it doesn't convey the real meaning but just bear with me what is important for our day to day activity is the three layers annamaya kosha the physical thing the vital or the pranamaya kosha the layer of energy the, the the life force you know the what we call is breathing it's prana we have a better technical term than just breathing we just simply don't breathe air even the air goes inside a dead body but it is not alive right there is something in that air there is something behind that air that makes a that makes someone live and someone dead right so that is the life energy that is the prana right so this pranamaya kosha and there is the manomaya kosha the mind the thing the thinking the thought the whole process so these are the three things that manifest day to day life in our lives so these are the, the that that affects us so these three layers of individuality we have to understand the shaucha and ashaucha purity impurity in this context in this context what is shaucha in this context in a physical you can say hygiene yes of course hygiene is a thing but how do we define uh, hygiene the opposite of hygiene you know the excretions it may be sweat it may be urine it may be stool it may be blood we consider all these things are unhygienic we don't let it lay around everywhere right so that is the physical aspect and that is not everything in the level of the pranas we have the five pranas prana apana vyana udana samana you will you can see the details you know online on the yogic text etc so this balance of this five you know they they all have a particular activity particular role in our body it's not they are not they are all interconnected so when they are in balance it is called a shaucha because balanced prana also balances the mind keeps the mind calm this calmness of the mind is again shaucha and what is the role of shaucha it gives competency competency for performing religious and spiritual activities why shaucha is considered one of the samanya dharma common duties for everybody and in all the paths in sanatan dharma be it bhakti be it vedanta any path be it yoga shaucha is one of the basic things in the yoga sutra you have the niyamas the basic rules you have shaucha in bhakti this shaucha is important in all these shaucha is important because one of the smriti text beautifully captures this by says for all activity it with shaucha without shaucha all your actions become useless fruitless so even for example medical operation you need a physical hygiene right that this is a parallel so consider the spiritual actions religious activities spiritual dharmic activity it will required shaucha at all the three levels of physical vital and mind the opposite is ashaucha in the context of menstruation 
what is the one thing that causes physical shaucha it is the blood the menstrual blood of course the blood does not mean simply blood menstrual blood includes endometrium tissue the vaginal secretions and all other things and ayurveda says the menstrual blood also removes ama ama is that ayurvedic term for body toxins it removes the body toxins from the body so these are all the impurities at the physical level that is ashaucha at the pranamaya kosha the pranic level i said rajas shrava flow of rajas there is a excess rajasic energy which was built up anticipating conception the apayana vayu is very increased anticipating conception and that is being removed the rajasic energy which was built up anticipating conception so that to has to nourish the baby if conception happens that energy now it has become excess it has become no use because the fertilization did not happen so it has to be thrown out this throwing out of rajas this heightened condition of rajas which is which shows that there is a imbalance of energy at the pranic level is the ritual impurity at the pranic level and then at manomaya kosha you all women you have all yourself experienced this there is mood swings there is anger there is irritation many of you might experience it sometimes many of you don't may not experience all the time but all of them experience that one stage or other that during your periods the mood it's not calm there is always one or the other things on your mind you are not calm so these three things when i when i speak or when the hindu tradition says that menstruation is an ashaucha it refers to all the three things not just a hygiene part but all the three things at three levels that makes it ashaucha so what does it mean to make it ashaucha the context here is the competency what ashaucha does is it makes certain actions become unsuitable women become unsuitable for certain actions like puja like you know entering a temple why i'll come to that later but why i will i may as well say it in short now itself because there is a flow of energy and this flow of energy from the women's body may interact and may dilute the energy that is arising from the you know the puja itself because puja is a energetic activity it's a transformation of energy it's not simply a congregation right and but the second point is it also makes certain people become unsuitable for certain actions so there is two things people become unsuitable for certain actions and certain actions become unsuitable certain actions there are two way effect one there is a unsavory effect on the women themselves which is not good for health it is not good for their living and another is they were not competent to perform certain actions that is what the ashaucha is why they are not competent because of the blood because of the rajasic energy because of the internal passion for doing a puja or doing a bhakti vedanta yoga or anything these three are required there is should be a balance of pranas calmness of mind hygiene it is not their non presence of them means they are not competent for the actions but if they perform it it may also have unsavory effect on their body the inner the you know i i will deal it in the ayurvedic portion how the energy you know the any spiritual activity it will tend to raise your apana upwards but in menstruation apana flows downwards and this can play havoc on the biological activity inside a woman
if you think that this is something unique to women because many people say ashaucha impurities associated women with women it makes them you know it is very unfair it is demeaning to them but as i explained there is nothing demeaning it's just an understanding of how different processes work how different bodies work but is ashaucha unique to women no both men and women enter ashaucha at different times a man he may have you know a, a accident and his blood may be flowing from his leg he is considered as ashaucha unfit to perform certain actions unfit to perform certain religious functions similarly at the time of a death of a relative father mother brother men and women both enter ashaucha it's not just a issue of women and all flow of blood whether due to menstruation or injury is considered ashaucha but particularly in the case of menstruating women the ashaucha is main main portion the main part is due to her heightened condition of rajas the heightened condition of rajas which creates imbalance in pranas which makes her incompetent for certain actions restrictions against cooking physical touch sexual intimacy they have been given due to this consideration of ashaucha because all these activities cooking etc involve transmission of rajasic energy ashaucha makes them incompetent for these spiritual activities next comes to the self purification no understanding of ashaucha so called impurity will be complete without understand the other side of the coming without completing the whole narrative that menstruation is not just associated with ashaucha it does though it is associated with ashaucha it does not make women impure instead menstruation itself is a self purification process and as you can see in this chart it purifies women at a different level there is a physical level purification it removes the ama the body toxins it removes the blood uh, vaginal secretions endometrial tissue that is no longer needed by the body at pranic level it removes the excess rajasic energy and brings balance to the prana, pranamaya kosha inside the body it brings balance to tridoshas vata pitta and kapha and it also brings it also purifies from the adharmic actions it purifies women from the adharmic thoughts we have a authority of one of the smriti it purifies one from impure speech impure speech bolot means it means you know the speech wherein you we speak harsh we speak lies we speak falsehood we speak to hurt somebody such things and it says at the physical level it removes one third brahmatya due to non fertilization of egg additionally menstruation also can be understood as a process which provides a mechanism to help women to overcome the feeling of violation overcome the feeling of dishonor that they may undergo when they are you know have to face the unfortunate incidents like rape sexual assault etc now you may say how is this because it is a process it is a natural process and we this these are the results of this process at best the modern science can speak about this physical proportion but since their tools they are limited to the materials physical universe they cannot speak about other things how do we know other things then from ayurveda from our texts like shruti smriti from the accounts of our rishis who have had intimate knowledge on all these things 
what is interesting is well today society including Indian society at large it treats it stigmatizes the rape victims. We, we often hear whenever rape happens some politician or the other, other asks was she wearing a short skirt as if implying that wearing the short skirt means she asked for it right. On the other end our Dharma Shastra authors say look that women has suffered a lot we need to help her to overcome that suffering, overcome that depression, overcome that stigma, overcome that feeling of violation. How to do that? Here she has a natural process of menstruation, she could perceive, she should perceive it as a self purification process because it is already a self purification process and when she puts herself into that state and considers it an austerity and, and spends the 3 days as an austerity then she can come out of it. You may say, you may say that it is all nonsense, but it is not. Why? Because the action of rape is also an action which had a deep impact on the psychology. Similarly, this menstruation, the austerities, the practices associated with it are also actions and you perform it with a particular intention, particular mindset and that reinforces, that action reinforces that mindset. The action works at the level of physics, body, the mind and the speech. So, this menstruation is the, the monthly the whole cycle is a self purification activity which purifies at different levels. But of course, that does not mean it is a free pass for women to commit any crimes, any adharma and say I have become purified. Of course, it does not mean that because there is there is no you know there is no prashchita for something like abortion or murdering of a husband or murdering somebody. What it means is on the day to day basis all of us men, women, everybody commit very unintentionally and unintentionally lot of adharma small and large at our physical, mental and speech level and these small things can be purified because even these small things can have play havoc later when it comes out as a karma phala because we are living say for 50 years, 60 years multiply that into 360 days and multiply the uh, uh, you know multiply that into hours and minutes and seconds huge bundle of karma we are committing and I do not know how many percentage it is of adharma. We do not know we, we are not always capable to live dharmically 100 percent it is not possible. So, to help us it is a solution, it is a nature provided solution to overcome all these small things. Interestingly, this Brahudana Dharma Sutta is one of the texts, what it says is women possess an unrivaled means of purification, they ne never become impure, for month to month their temporary uncleanness removes their sins that is papam. So, what it means is contrary to our present narrative and understanding that saying women enters a period of impurity or ashaucha makes them impure or demeaning to them. The what the Shastra or what the Hindu tradition is saying that this entering temporary ashaucha does not make them impure. In fact, on the contrary, it makes them ever pure. One of the texts says that women are pure in all the limbs, they are ever pure. Another text I have quoted here you can see how the Soma, Gandharva, Agni all associated with menstruation, Soma means moon and moon and menstruation is deeply connected with all the cultures not just uh, uh, Sanatana Dharma. They say they purify them in physical, speech and mental level. So, the, the gist is 
what comes by special effort to men comes as part of natural process to women what is the special effort men don't have menstruation we don't have a ready made available uh, thing monthly you know where we all our you know small small papoms we commit can be purified we have to do other activities we may have to do sandhya vandana we may have to perform samskaras we may have to do japa tapa n number of act, uh, activities we may have to do to achieve that women just have to bleed once a month that menstruation itself is a austerity itself is a self purification process and the impact of that self purification process is multiplied many number of times if you also adopt a lifestyle which is austere austerity means tapas tapasya tapasya means basically tapas tapa means heat what it means is hard work in a spiritual context tapasya tapas refers to indriya nigra indriya nigra means control of the mind and the senses you like some food you do, you control your mind you like ice cream whenever you have you are you are a shopaholic but you control yourself from purchasing you control yourself from eating something that is indriya nigraha it does not mean suppression it means restrainment there is a difference so similarly this many upasanas vratas all these are different aspects of you know different types of austerity if you consider here menstruation as austerity and self purification adopt this lifestyle how to adopt this lifestyle the practices like sexual abstinence that is brahmacharya that is one of the greatest you know aspect of tapasya not makeuping not anointing oneself women like to make up <laughs> that is a given right i am maybe there may be exceptions but not doing that not doing what you love that is restrainment that is indriya nigraha not sleeping on the bed we all like our bed we all like our comfortable sleeping on the bed but not sleeping on it sleeping on the floor or a mat or something that is control of your senses or your mind not sleeping during day time not combing etc these are these are the lifestyle lifestyle practices which further assists the menstruation as a purification process it helps to control one's desire develop detachment so this is the aspect of uh, austerity then there is the rest aspect which i already said many of the practices like no cooking no physical exertion through sports these all thing that the basis is that the desire that women setting women should take rest they should not exert themselves why because ayurveda suggest in ayurveda they speak about how this imbalance doshas become imbalanced when menstruating women you know indulge in lot of physical exertion it plays havoc on the biological health of the person and why celebrate menstruation that is another important uh, thing i already said menstruation is connected to childbirth without menstruation birth the capacity to birth would not have existed so this birth is very dharmic activity that is worth celebrating so menarche rituals called in sanskrit as ritukala samskara it is celebrated different ways in different places you know in karnataka they you know call it aarti the 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 girl the you know the married women from the neighborhood was called they are asked to do the mangala aarti to the women as if she is a goddess and then some f- food is given to her new dress is given to her 
So, different places do it in a different way. So, what this uh, Menarche ritual denotes is a transition of a girl from Kumari to Kanya and this is runs parallel with the process of Upanayana for men, the boys from child to Brahmachari. People say women, why do not women do Upanayana? They did in a very old age, but I think somewhere down the line it was felt they already have menstruation to attain purification. What Upanayana does, there are different purposes of Upanayana, but one of them is purification. The Sandhyavanana, Trikala Sandhyavanana, what they say, they have to worship their Sandhyavanana because it gives purification. The, the, the first half of the Sandhyavanana is all about purification. But women are already achieving it through menstruation, so that is being celebrated, that is the transition phase. Menstruation make them eligible to enter Grihasthashrama and facilitate them to perform this three dharma including entering motherhood which are unique to them. So, just as men, what is grihastha means householder life like what does the role of householder men become fathers, husbands, these are all our duties in the context of household. Women's role is becoming mothers, wives etc. It is a counterpart. So, menstruation makes women eligible for this grihastha ashrama. So, that is why celebration is important, but more important than all this is the fact that celebration import imparts a very positive perception about menstruation to a young girl. She is new to that, she does not know why she suddenly started bleeding. She may confuse, she may be afraid. How to make her cope with that? You make her the center of attention, you treat her like a special person, you treat her like a deity. You welcome her, the girl, into womanhood with open hands. It helps her to appreciate various menstrual practices and their importance as well. Of course, you may say that this is not how it is being practiced today in many families. They simply speak about impurity etc. and they say you have to stay in that room, no, no explanation, nothing. But that is a degradation, that is a giving up of what the ideal is, you know, imparted in the tradition. Tradition says you, it is a very, you know, purification, it is a very uh, um, celebrating thing, it is very positive thing. But you have forgotten that, that is why you are doing it wrongly. Doing it wrongly, you do not cut the head off for a fever, right? You, you rectify the fever, you do not cut the head off. So, these, these practices give a positive perception and add to this the fact that Hindus consider their goddesses as menstruation and celebrate festivals in honor of them. There is a festival Kamakya, well known festival in uh, uh, Assam, the Kamakya the festival uh, I think Ambubachi it is called, where the goddess undergoes yearly menstruation for 3 days and she is given a rest. In Odisha you have a festival for Harchandi called as Raja, the name itself is Raja menstruation in Odisha. And uh, we have certain festivals across India for the Bhumi Devi, Arti is considered going you know menstruation process for few days uh, once a year, it happens in Karnataka also. This, uh, this Karnataka festival is called Kedasa among Tulu community, but, but who is that, is there a deity who presides over menstruation in Hindu dharma? Yes, it is Parvati or Durga. In fact, during Ritukala Samskara that I spoke about, the Dharma Sindhu, the, the, the guideline speaks about a puja, uh, doing a puja for Gauri, Goddess Gauri. And then 
we have Parvati or Durga who is intimately connected to it. We just saw this Navaratri, the nine days there are nine deities of nine forms of Durga, right? Shailaputri, Brahmacharani, Chandraganta. The first five, five forms are connected to five phases of a girl's life. Shailaputri, the child, Putri, the, the daughter of the mountain, Brahmacharini, Brahmacharya, the Kanya, she is the deity of menstruation, the menarche, she presides over it. Chandraganta is the marriage. She takes on the Chandra like her husband, Shiva, because she marries him, becomes one with him, her Ardangi, the half. Then Kushmanda, Anda refers to the pregnancy, the Brahmanda, Kushmanda. And the Skanda Mata, after the pregnancy, comes motherhood. So, this whole thing, there is a, the whole thing is a sacred process. It is a biological process, yes, but it is also a sacred process. This is governed by various deities. And, but before the wrapping up, what is important to understand is that the Ayurveda, this is one of the things that is most less highlighted in any discussion. In fact, even the people who practice this pra menstruation practices, they have forgotten that there is a Ayurvedic rational, Ayurvedic element to most of the uh, menstruation practices that is mentioned in Vedas, Dharma Shastras or any other text. Ayurveda recognizes menstruation as a physiological process governed by the Tridoshas. I spoke about Tridosha, Vata, Pitta and Kapha. Vata refers to the all the activities inside as movement. The prana, apana, all these activities is vata. Pitta is related to digestion and other related activities. Kapha is related to accumulation. These, these are different activities, biological activities and these are governed by different forces inside our body, different biological uh, such forces. So, Ayurveda defines health in terms of balance of these doshas and illness in terms of imbalance in them. So, it divides the whole monthly cycle into three phases, Ritukala, Ritu Vyatita Kala, Rajasrava Kala. Rajasrava Kala is the actual menstruation wherein it is dominated by Vata. Vata means Apanavayu, the force, the Vayu, the uh, energy that is pushing out the things downwards. Ritukala prepares the body for ovulation, it is predominated by Kapha. Ritu Vetita Kala refers to secretary phase, you know, where nutrients are secreted in anticipation of the ovulation. When the ovulation does not happen, then comes this Rajasrava Kala. So, today we feel that the, the modern narrative is that having pain during menstruation, cramps, pain, etc., is a normal thing. But Ayurveda says that is not a normal thing. Normal menstruation is one which is painless, which is without any burning sensation and which is neither scanty, the blood flow is neither scanty nor very excessive. But today we, we have somewhat forgotten that there is something called as normal menstruation. We feel that having pain itself is normal. The, re the reason is our lifestyle has caused so much imbalance to the doshas that most women experience pain more or less always. So, normal menstruation occurs when doshas are in proper balance. Sushruta Samhita says abnormal menstruation is when there is disturbed vayu that is vata, pittam and kapha and blood they are all disturbed condition and this disturbing in doshas affects the health, the biological, the physical health of the women 
and also affects hampers their ability to conceive to give birth to remedy this ayurveda prescribes a series of do's and don'ts during menstruation called as rajaswala paricharya paricharya is the lifestyle what lifestyle should women adopt during their 3 days of monthly periods charaka samhita summarizes this and says on the onset of menstruation for 3 days and nights the women should absorb celibacy should sleep on the ground take food with the hands from an unbroken utensil and should not cleanse her body in any way this have been you know elaborated i have prepared this chart this chart is actually given in one of the papers uh, academic paper i have given the reference at the bottom these are the list of the do's and don'ts i spoke about celibacy no celibacy sleeping on kusha mattress or sleeping on the mat or something not on the bed should eat meal very light meal Uh, preferably made of ghee shali rice milk or something like a very light which is easy to digest and which should be in a very light amount and the food should be directly eaten over palms not to use metal utensils and concentrate on auspicious thing this this thing is very interesting the eating prescriptions the the, the basis of this eating prescription the take light food and take very small quantity it is because during menstruation the body is in such a condition it is not it cannot digest heavy food this condition ayurveda is called as agni mandya that is the digestive fire of the body is very weak mandya is weak so you should not give it heavy food not give it junk food not give it meat and such things you take very light food like you know shali rice the havishya anna they say havishya uh, is the, the light food that you give in a yagya the fire right and you take it less amount there are other things this you know celibacy etc all these things have been mentioned to control to prevent imbalance of your doshas the whole the table the only reason is to protect the health of the women by preventing imbalance of dosha you sleep during the day time you use you know you adorn yourself take bath anointment massage all these affects the agni mandya further it affects the health practices no long conversations combing etc and how does it this effect manifest when your whole biological cycle is upset later whenever you conceive children if if you keep not not a just one time event if you keep doing this again and again every cycle by cycle this imbalance keeps happening again and again then the extreme result of it would be such that when you conceive the children born would may have normalities not that in every case these the listed normalities have happened these are observations documented over large period and written down these are the most likely happens in the extreme case but even apart from that there will be other kind of health effects if if there is a imbalance of doshas so this ayurvedic factor is something which is not at all taken into account apart from agni mandya there is also the aspect of shodhana the shodhana is a procedure in uh, ayurveda which cleanses the body so mens- even ayurveda is clearly ref- uh, you know recognizing menstruation as a shodhana because it prescribes the same kind of daily practices for menstruation rajasala paricharya that is prescribes for a shodhana procedure there are 
the eight practices they are same the details you can refer to my articles that i have written so the this is a purification process it's recognized by even ayurveda and then there is also aspect of injury you know i uh, there is a endometrial tissues are removed from your body so it is considered as a state of injury that needs healing and the this restriction the the, the table it also takes care of it it also takes care of it because there are parallels with the practices mentioned there and the practices given for a person who is injured who has been operated and how he should take rest etc so the finally after understanding these principles of ashaucha self purification process austerity celebration ayurvedic considerations etc let us relook at the the first chart in the first slide i gave and really relook at each of these points the first point was no sexual intercourse this has been suggested in ayurveda in smritis like angirasa in ayurvedic texts like sushruta samhita and the governing principles are ashaucha austerity health concerns as per ayurveda maybe ashaucha and austerity may not appeal to you but can we really ignore the health concerns that is so intimate so immediate that is perceivable right what the concept of ashaucha i already explained the sexual activity it involves exchange of energy there is excess of rajas <coughs> and this results it says that because ashaucha can be transferred because excess of rajas can be transmitted to each other it is from the ashaucha point of view sexual intimacy is prohibited it is advised against but similarly even from austerity point of view any tapasya means sexual abstinence that is a basic indriya nigra because we are all too much attached to sex health concerns if if you i already said there will be a imbalance in doshas if you have sexual intercourse during menstruation so that, that, that this imbalance of doshas can manifest in any number of ways by hurting your health the second point listed was no running no exercises no kitchen and household activities again mentioned in various smritis ayurvedic texts the main principle is rest if you do not take rest means you are indulging in physical exertion this physical exertion causes the imbalance of dosha you turn too much you do too much exercise you the pain the the vata the vata the uh, principle the apanavayu it may get blocked there will be uh, imbalance resulting from them there will be huge pain there will be other effects as well the second principle about the kitchen thing the not cooking is the ashaucha again because what is food food is a carrier of energy and uh menstruation is a heightened state of rajas so you will simply transmit that energy to the food and that food is again eaten by every anybody who eats you will be taking on that energy because what is a food is a carrier of energy right no bathing and other self adorning uh, activities mentioned in various ayurvedic texts vashishta dharma sutras yajurveda so why have listed these things or these activities they have a long tradition from the shruti the smriti ayurveda is, there is a medical aspect there is a dharmic aspect and there is the shruti the pramana as well because for everything in hindu tradition the shruti is the ultimate pramana the shruti the vedas are the ultimate pramana 
the governing principle is again austerity and imbalance of doshas the ayurvedic austerity i've already explained many things you are attached we are attached to we like to groom ourselves so you don't groom yourself as a austere process as a means of self restraint and this austerity this you know grooming bathing having massage etc it seriously affects the weakened agni the digestive fire it further weakens it so there will be serious digestive issues may happen then there is the segregation the fourth point was not touching others see we do not have any specific prescription saying that women should be segregated anywhere in any of the texts but what we do have are certain uh, advices related certain activities to be avoided like don't touch anybody because touching is again a transmission of energy and not cooking not working etc that when we you know implement it in the ground some amount of segregation will happen you know in nepal and in, even in rural india this menstruation huts were constructed where women used to spend there during their periods though the, the, uh, as an aside this this menstruation huts have been considered as oppressive towards women in all the academic and media literature on the other hand in the west in the us there is something called as red tent movement which has come up in last few years i think wherein women go apart from their separate from their families and go there spend their three days of periods and they call it liberating the same thing which is done in a native tradition is oppressive when the same thing is done by the so called liberated feminists in the west it becomes even more liberating keeping that aside so the fact is this uh, not touching etc the, the elements of segregation this governing principle is basically rest you take rest you sit in a room take rest don't indulge in too much activity do whatever like read a book right read a book you may watch a movie but keep the volume down because high volume will again cause imbalance in dosha etc the second principle is austerity the third is ashaucha and the restriction regarding food i have already explained the ayurveda is the main thing your body is not ready to digest huge amount of quantity it is not ready to digest heavy foods it is not ready to digest junk foods so you have to avoid it you have to take very light food as much light as possible and in as little amount as possible because since your body is weak it it it, it can be digested easily you can also take substances like hing black salt etc which are good for igniting the digestive fire making it strong little bit better for digesting says the ayurvedic text i am not saying ayurveda says and the, 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 this is the most important i think of all the things in the current times restrictions related to performance of religious and spiritual activities including visiting temples there is a mention in angira sasmriti vashishta dharma sutra etc this is a purely uh, religious and spiritual tenet ayurveda does not mention it because its concern is health but ayurvedic principles will be used here also why because menstruation as i said is a heightened state of rajas i uh, explained what does this heightened state of rajas means let us understand the principle of a puja or a yoga or any spiritual process that is very important people do not have understanding this 
people think temple is like a synagogue or a church or a ch is uh, you know mosque where people simply gather together no the temple is not a uh, it's not a place of congregation it is a kshetram kshetram means a place of energy energy center so the murti there that there is a prana pratishthapana have happened the deity the energy and the essence of the deity have been invoked in the temple so there is one aspect of essence there is one aspect of energy so the deity of the energy is there and in the any other process spiritual process it may be yoga it may be puja it may be yagya any spiritual process what happens is it causes the apana vayu to rise upwards there is a rising upwards of the apana vayu because the spiritual process the purpose is to rise upana vayu upward and make it merge with the prana vayu which will then arouse the kundalini and makes it rise towards your head ultimately resulting in samadhi and etc you know in the so called enlightenment etc so but what is menstruation it is completely reverse it is throwing out the impurities blood etc and the apana vayu is very strong it is acting downwards so there is a downward movement of apana vayu and in this condition if you perform a ritual if you participate in a ceremony if you enter a temple the energy in the temple the energy in the surroundings of the ritual will try to push it upwards so the apana vayu wants to flow downwards but the energy in the temple etc will try to push it upwards so this will cause huge imbalance to the doshas because apana vayu is nothing but the vata dosha they are connected there so this will cause huge imbalance to the doshas this this imbalance can have in the biological process you may say oh no i attended this puja i did not feel anything of course it may not happen in a single visit right what will happen if you keep doing it again and again it will uh, it keeps happening at a very subtle level the effects of it which, which may not be easily you know not immediately available in fact the thing is even if the effect become immediately manifest you will not actually connect at all do the same because today we feel that uh, all periods we have pain right so that's a normal thing so if you enter a temple and suddenly the pain starts you will simply say oh, that pain it's a coincidence it's they're not related so even if it manifests you may not connect to it because our current understanding is that it's all skewed it's all distorted but ayurveda is a medical system which has been active for more than 2 3000 years and it has cured thousands of people and just like we have faith in allopathy system all our people still today people are taking ayurvedic uh, uh, systems of uh, therapy right so it, it will be foolish to say that ayurvedic system is uh, uh, whatever that it says it has no value so this so that is the basic reason for you know avoiding any entering temples entering uh, uh, religious activity one is the ashocha concepts makes one incompetent for those activities but more importantly it is also the concept aspect of i uh, you know health which may be damaged in the process if one enters over a long period of time nothing happens in a one visit or a two visit right so the, the, this is the last thing the last slide the most important question i feel are they practical today all what i said the all the practices like no sexual uh, sexual abstinence 
no entering temples, no cooking, no bathing, no anointing, etc. Is this even practical? In a fast moving life, people work, people do not have time. But the, I think the answer is yes. Of course, this yes must be qualified. The qualification is that not everybody may be able to do everything. They may need, not need to also, but they may not even be able to. But what the Gita says, I will end with it, that even a little practice of dharma saves one from great fear. So, even a little practice of even some of the you know practices mentioned in the Hindu tradition, in the Ayurvedic text, in the Smriti and Sruti text, it will be a great benefit to women themselves. Even even the, so why not practice even little, whatever is possible for each body. So, I think it is a practical thing, but it, it is left to each one to decide how much of it is practical and when it is practical and it is for them to decide. Thank you.